This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. It's good to see y'all this morning. Good to be in Genesis chapter 16, verse eight. Hagar has been kicked out by Sarah because of that just whole situation. And uh, Hagar says, he said, he meaning God, the Lord God, meaning uh, the angel of the Lord, which is Jesus, pre-incarnate Jesus, says to Sarah, he meets with her, and he says to her, where have you come from? And Hagar, Sarah's mate, where have you come from and where are you going? God tends to ask this question a lot. You'll find that God asks this question many times in scripture to different people. And it is, it is an important question. It's not a question of that God asks of us so that he can find out what's going on. Uh, it's a question asked of us so we can find out what's going on. Oftentimes, God asks questions which cause you to think in a certain direction, which cause you to come to the proper conclusion. Anytime God's asking you a question, anytime we find God asking a question, what he usually is doing is trying to orient that person's mind in a direction that will help them figure out where they are in life. And so in many ways, God is asking Sarah, he's asking Hagar, he's asking her, who, he's asking her, where have you come from and where are you going? He's asking that question because he wants her to think about where she's come from and where she's headed. Because where you've come from in life many times dictates where you're going, but where you're going in life oftentimes can be, can be, dictated exactly by who God is and what God's doing. And you ought to look forward to that. In fact, you ought to expect that and anxiously expect that God's going to show you where to go. And she said to him, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. Notice she knows where she's coming from, but she does not answer as to where she's going. She knows she's She's fleeing from Sarah. She knows she doesn't want to be in this situation anymore. She knows that she doesn't like Sarah anymore. She despises her because she has a child and that whole jealousy and that whole position thing matters. And she was put in a bad position, to tell you the truth, by Sarah. And she's put in a bad position. She's put in a bad position by by Abram. But both of them put her in this bad position. And so she is fleeing. And let me say this to you, running from a problem is not always the answer to the problem. In fact, most of the time, it's not an answer to the problem. You're not growing from the problem by running from it, and you're not fixing the problem by running from it. Oftentimes, the difficulties, most of the time, the difficulties of our lives are there for the purpose of our growth, there for the purpose of our edification, there for the purpose of us knowing and understanding ourselves and knowing and understanding the world we live in. Oftentimes, the situations we find ourselves in life are situations that our character or our character flaws, more importantly, have led us to that point. And we need to evaluate where we are, where we're going, and where we came from. 
and uh, and and not putting their head in the sand like Abraham did, or not just choosing the most expedient answer or the most expedient way, which is what Sarah did, is a lesson that needs to be. We got to learn to look around and say, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm not doing. And we got to look around and say, is this, am I just doing this for an easy way out? Or am I actually doing this to fix the problem? And by the way, what caused this problem to happen? She had a role to play also because she accepted it. It said, the angel of the Lord said to her, notice Jesus is talking to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. That's the last thing that Hagar wants to do. But it is the thing that God wants her to do. Oftentimes, we're in a position where we're under someone who has major character flaws, and we want to get out from under them as quick as possible. But learning under those situations is sometimes the best thing for us. It's sometimes the best thing that we we can do is to watch those character flaws, see how they affect the world around that person, see what's going on there so that, so that our lives are more full and complete because we see, we learn, we understand, and we avoid being in that situation. It says the angel Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. The angel Lord said to her, notice he's going to, he's going to give her a promise. There's there, no, no struggle and no difficulty that we go through. No struggle, and no difficulty we go through doesn't have a promise on the other end. God's not doing that punishes. Oftentimes, that's the first thing you think of, isn't it? I'm in this situation because I must have done something wrong. No, you are wrong in all ways because you're, you have a sin nature. But it doesn't necessarily have to do with you doing something wrong. It may be that God is growing. God is producing. God is bringing about something in you that he needs to bring about in your life. He's showing you something. He's growing you into something. And the situation is the best incubator for that. It's the best place for you to be so that you might take on that understanding, so that you might uh, grow in that skill, that you might be able to see the world from his perspective in a better way. And he puts you there in that situation, and it is an important situation for you to be in. And when that situation reaches its, reaches its fullness, which means you come to a place where it's complete, you've gotten out of it that which God wanted you to get out of it. You've grown through what God wanted you to grow through, or you've gained the skill and the talent or the gift that God wanted you to gain from it. Then he brings you out of it. But, and not only does he bring you out of it, but he gives you a promise that carries you through and a promise that ultimately brings you to the place where that God is true and faithful to what he says and what he does and what he leads us through. And he said, he said, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her. This is what I'm doing. The angel Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall be counted for, for a multitude, meaning I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the same promise that I gave Abraham. In fact, you're an extension of the promise I gave Abraham. I gave Abraham, and I said not that his descendant, singular, but that his descendants, plural, would be great nations and that they would be they would be more than the sands of the sea and more than the stars of the heavens. That promise was passed to her the child in her womb. It's a promise that God plans to keep. It's a promise that God is going to keep. He said the angel Lord said to her, "I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude." The angel Lord said to her, "Behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael." 
Notice God names Ishmael. It's not Jesus is the one that gave Ishmael his name. It's not a name that's come up by any man or human being. God had a plan for her son, and God had a plan for Ishmael. Now, that also brings about an understanding that we need to see. No child that is conceived in this world is unknown to God, and no child is unwanted by God. And that's an important principle that we have to get. No child uh, that that is conceived in this world is unwanted because that child is known by God. God says, I knew you before I knit you in your mother's womb, which means that God's plan has always been for those. God knows what's going on. God is the one who has initiated that life, and he is the source of that life. And so this child is an important child. This child is a child of promise, just like Isaac, Isaac is going to be coming in the next few chapters. Abraham had two sons. She had Ishmael, and he had Isaac, and both of them became great nations, and both of them became great men and great people. And the promise that he's giving Hagar here is an extension of God's plan and God's will, which is carried out even if people mess things up, even if people don't do things the right way. Notice, God is able to make his will done, and he's able to make his will full and complete aside from your failures and aside from your inability to do what you should do or your ability to do what you sh shouldn't do. There's no, there's no, God doesn't, God doesn't hold back from us. He says, he says, you'll call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. That's a good line, isn't it? God's, God has heard our affliction. He knows our struggles. He knows them. He's already, he's made, making plans for them. He's making plans to carry us through them. He's making plans to increase us beyond them. And you ought to expect that. You ought to expect that from God because he does know your afflictions. He says, he shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against, he, his hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all brethren. One of the things that uh, one of the translations says, he shall be a donkey of a man. What that means is he's one of those, uh, he's one of those outlaw Joseph Whale types. He's one of those, he's one of those guys that fight everybody everywhere, anywhere. And that character, that character uh, can be very, I tell people that have strong-willed children and there are a bunch of them out there. I tell them, look, your strong-willed child is both a gift and a curse. He seems like a curse in the moment. And the reason he seems like a curse in the moment is because he or her is very difficult to raise. But you need to understand, strong will goes both ways. Strong will goes in the way of, of rebellion, in the way of trying to have their own way. But once God gets them in line, once God has them in his hands, strong will can be very powerful. Because a person whose will is strongly oriented toward God and toward God's purposes, that kind of person is rarely stopped. That kind of person, you can't hardly slow down. That kind of person changes the world. And so when you look at your strong-willed child or your strong-willed grandchild and say, I don't know what's going to happen to that old boy, what might happen is God may break him. God may bring him into or her into, into his will and his plan, and he may use them powerfully. So don't discount them just because they have a little bit of a strong will to them. God God has used strong-willed people for many multi millennia past, and he's going to continue to do them. Most of the great men and women of the Bible happen to be strong-willed men and women. And, and so they're a blessing, even though they might seem like a curse until they're about 17, 18 years old. He says, then she, shall call, then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, 
have I also here seen him who sees me. Therefore, the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Bered. And the phrase here where she says, you are the God who sees, is the title El Roy, E-L and O-R-I, Roy, El Roy. And that is a title that is given to God. That is a name, one of the names in the Old Testament that is given to God. He is the God who sees. And she says, not only has he seen me, but I have spoken to him. And that is God. That's a great name of God. He's a God who not only sees, he's a God who speaks to you and allows you to speak to him. And uh, what, a, what a wonderful name for God. It's a name that foreshadows Jesus, who is familiar with our suffering. He knows us. He's our, he's our friend. He's our brother. And he's our Lord. These are all wonderful ideas about God. And it's interesting that Hagar is the one who says, you are the God who sees. And he is that. He is Elroy, the God who sees us. And uh, she says, he's seen me and I have been able to see him. And that's true because God has seen us. We're also to be able to see him because God knew us first. We're able to know him because God loved us first. We're able to love him back. And she says, I'm going to do what God says. And isn't that the neat thing that happens when God shows up? When he shows up and speaks to your heart, you oftentimes end up doing the thing you expected not to do, the thing you never imagined you would do. And in, in that, you find the things you never imagined you would ever have. Uh, wow, what a God we, we serve. He is always bringing about things that we could not imagine ourselves. And I'm glad he does because he sees things way beyond, way beyond who we are and what we think and what we're doing. He is the God who sees, and he even sees the strong-willed child. He even sees the one who is strong-willed toward the things that they want, and ultimately, many times, he brings them into his will, and they are the strong-willed who change the world. So Hagar bore Abraham a son, and Abram named his son, who Hagar bore Ishmael. Notice, he named him exactly what God told Hagar to name him, which means that he knows this story. He, Hagar had told him what happened and told him that he had met with the Lord God. Abraham had already heard from the Lord God before, and he did exactly what the Lord God told him to do. He did exactly what the angel of the Lord said. The pre-incarnate Christ came down and said, we're going to give him a name, and we're going we're gonna to say who he's going to be, and he's going to be a great nation. And the blessings that and the promises that I've given to Abraham are going to be passed on to him. And Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. And uh, there we go. That's a great, that is a fabulous story. It's a story that's not taught very much. And the story not talked about very much, oftentimes because of the conflicts that we've with, with some of the seed of Ishmael. But he has made Ishmael a great nation. And he is going to redeem many out of that nation to his kingdom. And he is in the process of doing that also. I see this as a great story. I love the name that we get from this story of God because he is the God who sees. Praise God that he is the God who sees. He sees you. He knows where you're at. He knows the situation you find yourself in today. Will you seek him out? Will you find him out with his will in this situation and not choose yours? If you will, you have submitted your will to his and you will have his very best. I promise you. 
may not seem like it's going to happen today, may not seem like it's ever going to happen because, well, oftentimes in life, these things happen in such a way that we we can't see the end to them. We just, we can't see how they're going to happen. But I can tell you this, we serve a God who sees and he knows the end and he's leading you through to it. And the end is always going to be his very best because the plans he has for you are to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. And he will be about that process for you. He, you can expect it and you can walk in it and you shall have it. Praise God that he does. Good to be with y'all this week. Chapter 16 of Genesis has been a lot of fun for me. Hope it's been a fun for you. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm.